All right, uh, so what we're going to do this morning, we're, um, I, I was asked this week, um, we're going we're to continue our question series um, that we're in, but we're going to take a little bit different turn in that series, this sort of a subset series of the question series, um, and it, the question was um, brought to me, and... and um, about deacons and the importance of deacons in the church. And as I was doing some of my study, as I was doing some of the um, reading through the, con- or through the text, um, I-, I wanted to go deeper than just that one subject because there's such a, it's a bigger, bigger message than just, hey, deacons and their importance to the church. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to look through the books of First and Second Timothy and Titus exegetically. We're going to go verse by verse, book by book in church leadership. And not only church leadership, but why, why we do what we do and what's the structure of worship. Who, why why are, do we have leadership that we have in the church? And once again, people say, well, this is, you're, you're going you're to throw me some Baptist doctrine. No, I'm not going to throw you Baptist doctrine. What's my stance here? If we've got any Baptist doctrine, we need to throw it out the window and replace it with what? Bible doctrine. Amen? And that, that's, that goes anywhere. I don't care what church you're in. If you've got any type of doctrine that doesn't line up with the Scriptures, you need to throw that out and replace it with the Bible. And so we're going to look at, from the Scriptures, what it looks like um, to have lead, the leadership that we have and why the order of worship, the order of how we have things set up in the church and why, um, it, it is a, it's important for us to do that. So we're going to cover everything in context from a biblical worldview um, so that there's not any confusion. You can't say, well, Caleb, that's your opinion. I'm not going to, listen, I'm not going to insert my opinion in anything. I'm going to assert in here what the scripture says about all of these particular doctrines and particular teachings, and make no mistake, there is an order to our worship, not just in how things happen in the church, but those who claim to speak for the Lord. There, there is a, there's an order there. And so I think of in Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, Aaron had two sons, Nadab and Abihu. And because of their family lineage, they thought that they could just walk into and plan worship. They could set things up and do things like the high priest. They thought, well, my dad's Aaron, so I can go in and I can do what I want, right? And so they go in to try to do worship the way they think worship should be done. And they walk into the high priest's area, the Holy of Holies, and they offer up what the scripture calls strange fire or strange incense before the Lord. And the Lord got so angry with Nadab and Abihu that God killed them. So make no mistake, God is very concerned with how we worship, the order of worship, who is coming in and leading worship. It is important. And it's not because I say so or anyone else says so, it's because of what God says. Amen? And so, uh, as we begin this study, the purpose is to see from God's word 
what the order of worship is in the church and what it should be in the order of leadership in the church. So, um, like I said, not according, this is not going to be according to church history. This is not going to be according to any opinions. It's going to be according to the word of God. So we're going to be in 1 Timothy and we're going to start in chapter 1, verse 1. <clears throat> Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we can see here, we're going to stop in that first two, two, those two verses. We can see here from the passage that Paul was commanded to teach this to Timothy from Jesus Christ himself. So we have a Paul was taught directly. The reason Paul can call himself an apostle is because he had a direct interaction with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you read in the text, you find out that Paul, for two years, was taught the theological doctrines by Jesus Christ himself. Outside of, he, he went away and went away for a couple of years, and Jesus actually teaches Paul the theological, scriptural doctrines of how things should work. So that's the reason he can call himself an apostle. So if you hear anybody on the TBN or any religious channel call themselves Apostle Jim or Apostle Tim or Apostle Susan or whatever you want to call them, Apostle something, know that they're lying because there's not anybody that's been taught directly by. Number one, nobody's been taught directly by the Lord Jesus Christ because they don't need to. Everything that needs to be taught to us has been taught in the scripture. That's the reason we hold to here in this church. Sola Scriptura. Scripture alone is what we hold to. Because all the teachings that we need. All the doctrines that we need for life God, and godliness. Are held in the 66 books that we hold in our hands. Called the Holy Sacred Scriptures. So. Um, Timothy. Or Paul is directed by God to teach Timothy. And he tells Timothy. You're my son in the faith. And I'm talking to you as a father would to his son. So the goal of the instruction here is how things should be and what, how things should not be running in the church. All right, verse 3. Let's keep going. Um, I, as I urged you when I was going to Mesopotamia, remain in Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach anything different, any different doctrines. That's verse 3. Paul is warning Timothy about certain people in the church who are attempting to teach doctrines that don't line up with what the Lord Jesus has laid out. Amen. So we've got that first directive from Paul to Timothy. He says, listen, I'm going to charge you. There's going to be people in the church that are going to be trying to teach certain things that are not in the text. Don't let that happen. And oh my goodness, do we have that happening in the church in 2023. We've got churches that are packed with people, with men and women behind this desk that are illegitimately teaching things that are, not, that, are, that are contrary to the Word of God. And they should not be doing these things. So, let's keep going to verse 4 because context is king. So, uh, I charge you, back at verse, we'll get a running start here. That you, I may charge you certain pe- persons... Not to teach any doctrines, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than stewardship from God 
That is by faith. The aim of our charge is to love. The aim of our charge is love that issue from a pure heart. Love the issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Wow. So listen, I've been in church long enough that there are people who are pining to get into teach about things that are literally that, that have literally no eternal value they want to come in and try to teach things that are not only contrary to the word of god but that just honestly waste our time like you could see they want to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies let's talk about the genealogy of of whatever let's talk about family lineages let's talk about bah, 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 you know, things that have no real ramifications they want and then they want to promote speculations let's let's talk about conspiracy theories let's talk about you know what like there are churches that are doing that kind of stuff this morning and so they they have this aim to to try to to do and teach god's word but they just don't do it well um but it's it's interesting um, people want to come in and attempt to teach doctrines or issues that don't have gospel-centered truth to them. So why we do what we do is God, like God's a God of order. And so Paul's telling Timothy, remain at the church of Ephesus and beware of those that are coming to try to come in and get focused off of the gospel onto things that, that have no real value and that are going to waste their time. Like I remember a guy years ago who came to me, my brother, and wanted to get in, have them come to the house, and they want to say, listen, I want you to come to my house, and let's eat steak, and here's what I want to do. I want to debate whether or not Christians should um, celebrate Christmas. You remember that guy? Like, he just, that's what, that's all, like, his, his hill to die on was, listen, Christians that celebrate uh, Christmas are not really Christians, and I want you to come to my house, eat steak, and then I want to debate it. And I'm like, No. No, I, I, I just, I don't want to do that. And I, and I had, like, it's just ridiculous and it's just exhausting. Like, I remember, I've only been here, I'll be here four years in October, just a, not too long ago, had a guy in our own basement wanted to start talking eschatology with me, and when he found my view of the end times, he said, listen, your view of the end times is not right, and you shouldn't even be a pastor. I don't even think you're saved. And, I, and then I said, I got to dig it into his life, started asking him some questions, come to find out he's in an extramarital affair with not one but two different women, got babies with multiple women. I'm like, you're just a moron. Okay, cool. Fantastic. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, this is what I'm, you got, like, we've got people that are stepping in trying to, to do things and they want to, they'll steal your time. They'll come in and steal your time. What I have come to understand in the years of ministry is that people will steal your time if you let them. And what I mean by that is they get, it, they get your focus off of things that really have no impact or no eternal value or ramifications. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting because people will come in and try to steal your time. 
They'll try to just rip in and just, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to talk about this. Like, okay, I, I, you want to celebrate Christmas? Awesome. If you don't want to celebrate Christmas, I don't care. In the, in the terms of, in the ramifications of eternity, it don't matter. That's a secondary issue. That's a personal conviction and personal conscience issue. And I, listen, I, there are people who go here who don't like to celebrate Christmas. And guess what? I don't care. Fantastic. Don't. But don't. He looked, this gentleman that was in my dad's church looked at me and said, listen, I don't think you're going to heaven because you have a Christmas tree in your house. He literally told me that. I don't think you're going to heaven because you've got a Christmas tree in your house. And I said, where is that in the text? And he pulls some obscure, weird verse from the Old Testament and cherry picks this one verse that says, this is what this is about. And I'm like, that's not what I do with, I don't decorate my tree and then fall down and worship my tree. I, I mean, Christmas can be redeemed. It's about Christ, not about the tree. Stop trying to make things that they're not about. Like, just quit. And so... It just they, they get things off they, they get your focus off of the eternal and focus on these secondary silly issues. All right, let's keep going. Verse verse six and seven amplifies this idea. Certain people, by swerving from these, have wandered into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law. Listen, this guy wanted to have his whole Sunday school class dedicated to that idea. That's exhausting. And actually a problem in the church. So we have this certain people, they're going to come in and swerve from the idea of the gospel. And they want to wander off into vain discussions. Silly discussions that have no ramifications with the gospel. And they desire to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. And listen, the people who come in and have these wild theories about Christmas or whatever other eschatology, man, they come in and they feel like they know their stuff and they try to make you feel like a moron. They try to make you feel like an idiot. Like, let's argue about something that has no life-transforming ramifications. And it's, it's a massive, massive secondary issue. But let's, let's talk about it. And they make the attempt to have a solid sounding argument that makes you feel like you're not truly understanding the things of scripture. Like I've been in conversations where they think they've got it all and they fire off this stuff. And I'm like, what? And that's the reason I've taken time to study this and figure it out because I've got these people that try to come in and sneak this stuff in and want to fire it at you. I'm like, okay, where in the text? Okay, let's pull up, let's pull up that text and read it together. That's not what that text means, brother. That's not what it means. Quit. Quit trying to do this. You're trying to have a solid sounding understanding, but you have no idea what you're talking about. You think you do, but you don't. Paul's warning Timothy, don't let people like that in your church to teach. Get them out. Throw them out. Get, get rid of them. And so... It's it, because I, I, at the end of the day, it's exhausting and it causes division and it gets your church. Um, it, it gets the church and the elders and the leaders of the church off the mission of the gospel. Like, what are we what are we here for? Jesus gave the instructions in Genesis or in Matthew chapter 28. He says, go make disciples 
Oh, and by the way, argue about Christmas too. No, that's not what he said at all, did it? He said, listen, go make disciples, baptize them in the, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be with you until the end of the age. I'll be back. Right? I'll be back. So Paul's telling Timothy here, don't let people come in and walk in the church and just teach whatever. Don't teach willy-nilly stuff. And so he, he sets the stage here. Why do we do what we do here? Why do we have the things happen we, that, that happen in this place? Because God's laid out certain directives in the text. There are certain things that are going on. Paul's telling, don't just let anybody walk in and teach. Don't let just any. Oh, listen, I'd like to have a Sunday school class. Oh, really? What? Go ahead and tell me, what do you want to tell you, what do you want to teach about? Oh, no, that's a problem, right? There are false teachers out there who will steal the time of you and your church if you're not careful. So we're to be on guard. In fact, Paul in Ephesians chapter five tells. The church of Ephesus, verse 15, verse five, chapter 5, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. So, so we need to be wise when it comes to conversations that we entertain in the church. There are things that would just, like I've had conversations, I've been in the church 44 years now. Now, I wasn't a Christian all that time, but I've been in the church. I've heard some crazy conversations. I've heard some wild theories. I've heard some interesting theological discussions. Some are of value and are glorifying to God, and some are just time wasters. Some are just time wasters. And so Paul tells the church, be careful. Look carefully then how you walk. As a wise man, don't be unwise, but be wise. Make the best use of your time. Is it, is it the best use of your time to sit around and eat a steak and debate whether or not Christians should have a Christmas tree in their house? Probably not. Probably not. It's it just not. One of the pastor's jobs, one of the elder's jobs is to defend the flock from wolves looking to come in and tear the flock apart. What, what do, why do they have it? Why is there a shepherd or a shepherd guard dog? Why, why do they have shepherds and guard dogs in sheep pastures? Sheep's, sheep are defenseless. And listen, sheep aren't that bright either. Like, listen, that we get called sheep is not a, oh, you're a sheep. Like, sheep are not exactly the smartest creatures on the planet. And let's just be honest, neither are people. We can just do some dumb, like a person, like an individual can have rational conversations. But listen, if a group gets in, like you have the, what do they call it, mob mentality, where people just go nuts. That's what happens to sheep. They just go nuts. They scatter. And the wolf comes in and tries to pick off certain things because he's looking for a place, a snack. And so God's charged pastors with protecting the flock from being ripped apart. And the primary way that wolves in sheep's clothing, false teachers, false preachers, do this is by coming in and teaching something that is contrary to the Word of God. That's the reason, man, I'm a man of the book. And the moment I don't become a man of the book, if I stop preaching from this, is the day you should throw me out on a railroad, launch me out the front door, and let me tumble down the stairs. Because the day I don't teach out of this book is the day we've got a problem. 
Because Scripture, listen, the Word of God is what we're going to be standing on for all eternity. The authority of God, the power of God through His Word is what we're standing on. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is God-breathed, or theophanuskas is the Greek terminology. Theophanuskas, God-breathed. What you're holding in your hand is the breath of the Lord Jesus Christ on paper. John chapter 1 said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. That's, you're looking at the breath of the Lord Jesus Christ on paper. He, it was, men inspired by the Holy Spirit wrote these things down. And, pe- and listen, there are people that are smarter than me that have done the work to try to figure out ways to say, this book doesn't line up, it doesn't work, it's, it's got too many errors, and then they, they make their whole dissertation or their doctoral studies on trying to disprove the Bible. Jo- uh, Josh McDowell was an atheist who hated God. Made it his mission in his doctoral statement to prove that the Bible was false and ends up converting to Christianity and now is a ferocious apologist. He he teaches apologetics. Got to meet him twice, hear him speak twice. Fantastic man of the Lord. Dresses like a wild, crazy man, but man, I just love the guy. He wears the wildest clothes. Um. Like I, I remember one time we did a Bible study and worship night. Like so, people coming to steal your time. This happened just recently. Had a guy had a Bible study and worship night, and I, I mean the room was packed. We had I mean I don't Jamie how many people were in that room? There was there was a ton of folks. Great night of worship, and the guy comes. In, there's a guy older man. He comes up to me and he's and he's got a giant. Christian t-shirt and he's got a Christian jacket and he's got a big cross on him and he's just an older gentleman and he says are we going to have time for sharing here in a little bit and I was like yeah probably not probably not and so I just went on and we just I just because he and he, he even tried to weasel his way up to the podium like he stood like if I'm preaching here he was standing like waiting he was standing waiting, and I just ignored him. And I got done, and he came, and he's like, oh, I just, maybe just wasn't my time to share. I was like, well, what were you wanting to share? He's like, God spoke to me. And anytime I hear everybody say, God spoke to me, red flags fly up all over the place. Because once again, God's not speaking audibly to people. You want, people are, I wish God would speak audibly. Read the Bible out loud. God will speak audibly to you through the Bible. That's, God speaks through his word, and that's it. That's it. God's word speaks. So he gets me. He's like, well, God spoke to me and said, I was in the grave. And God told me I was in the grave with you. And I was like, I'm really glad I didn't let you talk. I'm glad. No. That's a time. We don't don't need to hear that. That's not necessary. And so sometimes people have maybe potential. maybe Maybe that older gentleman had a great intention. And what they want to accomplish. But there must be an order to worship. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 26 tells us. What then shall we say brothers and sisters. When you come together each of you have a hymn. Or a word of instruction. A revelation. A tongue. Or an interpretation. Everything must be done. So that the church may be built 
up. When it comes to biblical worship, there needs to be some semblance of order, not chaos. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 continues. It says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. So not, not, not just any Tom, Dick, or Harry can get up and talk. Like, that's just not how biblical churches work. I'll never forget Dad telling me the story. Dad was in seminary in Memphis, Tennessee. He was in Adrian Rogers' church um, in seminary. And there was a big promotion in the town of Memphis. They said, we're having a biblical speaking in tongues meeting. And by biblical, they meant there's going to be somebody gets up and speaks in tongues, and then there's going to be an interpreter. Well, Dad was really good friends with the Hebrew and Greek professor who could speak Fluent Hebrew, fluent Greek. Goes to this meeting, dad and this professor. And they're sitting, so pe- people would stand up and say some sort of gibberish. And then somebody would stand up over the corner and say, that this, is, this is it. Well, the Greek professor stands up and quotes John 3.16 in Greek. And then sits down. Guy over the other side pops up and says, oh! Jesus is coming soon and we need to get our lives right. Guy stands back up and says, that's not what I said. I'm a Greek professor. I quoted John 3.16 in Greek. They had suited up goons, grabbed my dad and this professor, and launched them out and told them, you're stifling the Holy Spirit. Uh Uh-oh. Now we know that that wasn't a biblical meeting. That was just a meeting of time-wasting silliness to make people feel spiritual. That's a problem. So... Having people just randomly get up and just talk and claim to have some type of authority is a problem. And there must be an order and there must be biblical permission to be able to do these things. This is what Paul is urging Timothy. And Timothy was a young preacher. In fact, there's a point where, uh, where Paul tells Timothy, don't let these people look down on you because you're a young buck. You stand on the authority of God's word and teach it. Don't let these people push you around. Stand on the authority of God's word. So he's, this, is, this is the warning. I urge you. I urge you. When I was going to Mesopotamia, remain there in Ephesus. And there are certain people not to teach charge these certain people not to be able to teach different doctrines nor to devote themselves to the myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than stewardship so we're called to 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 be stewards of our time to be stewards of the god's word from god that is by faith and ain't that the aim of our charge is love like we're doing this in love we're trying to be listen This is not how we do things. And listen, people are going to get offended. When you don't give them a platform, when you don't give them a place to spout their stuff, listen, they're going to get offended. But listen, we're doing this all in for God's glory and for your good. This isn't for just anybody to be able to come and do what they want. You don't just get to come in here and do whatever you want in here. And neither can I. Once I step outside of the authority of God's word, listen, that's where the church has the authority to launch pastors out of, the, out of the pulpit. If I'm not teaching from this, you'd better be aware. This is the reason I encourage you guys, 
read, if this is all the church, if this is all the Bible you get for the week, you're not getting very much and you're going to be able to get deceived very quickly and very easily by those that are smarter than you. They're going to be, there are theological charlatans that are just crafty and they want to try to get in and steal and kill and destroy and it's, it's dangerous. So I want to reiterate, as we begin this study, the purpose is to see from God's word what the order of worship is in the church, what it should be, what it should not be, and to see biblically how we are to ordain and set up this thing called worship as well as um, leadership in the church. And so I, 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 it's, just, it's important for us to do this, guys. We can't just have any type of just whatever coming out the door. And so we have to be careful. We have to be careful. And there are certain people that are going to try to swerve us off of our mission as a church. And the, the goal here is to, is to keep them away. If you look at verse 8 of 1 Timothy. Now, we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. And what are we talking about? The law is the law of God. The Ten Commandments. Why do we use the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments are used as a schoolmaster to teach us. It's like a mirror. The Ten Commandments are a mirror to see where we need to have change in our life. What do you use a mirror for? Ladies? What do you... Listen, us, most fellows, we just... Listen, Burke, we just don't use a mirror most of the time. We just... Tyler, how, you, you use a mirror, brother? You just try not to, right? I don't want to. But let you ladies get in there. Listen, I've got a wife. She, listen, she's primping. But I do. I found out. Listen, we got we were in a hurry one time. She was out the door in less than ten minutes one time. So I know it's possible. She's like, not all the time, man. Right? What do we use the mirror for? We're looking for imperfections. We're looking for things to to fix. If, listen, if I got a booger in my nose, I want to. Can I say booger in the pulpit? I don't know. If I got, got something hanging, as, as my, my wife's aunt used to call it, bats in a cave. If I've got something in, I can try, oh, I've got to fix that. I've got to clean that. I've got something in my teeth. We're using the mirror as a device to get us to a position where we're, we're presentable to the world. Right? Listen, this is the idea of the law. The law exposes the dirt in our lives. It convicts us of our sins. It's a schoolmaster that says, listen, you're a sinner. You need to be saved. It points us to the gospel. So, listen, we know that the law is good if it's used lawfully. And there are people that try to use the law and turn it into some sort of weird thing that is unbiblical. Understanding this. Understanding this, verse 9. That the law is not laid out for just but for for the just but for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and for the sinners and for the unholy and for the profane and for those who strike their fathers and their mothers for murderers, for sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, prejudice, and, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Now listen, every one of us on some level have broken some sort of the law. We've all been lying. Let's just take a test. How many of you guys have ever told a lie? If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. Right? So there's one. Uh-oh. So the law is for me? 
Yeah, the law is to expose me that I'm a sinner and that I need to be saved by grace. Verse 11 says, In accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, which I have been entrusted. So Paul said, listen, I've been entrusted with this to teach you. Listen, use the law to bring men and women to the knowledge of sin, Romans chapter 3. The knowledge of sin is brought forth by the, the, the preaching of the law. And that law gets us to a position where we need and understand that I need to be saved. I need to be redeemed. And how do we do that? We set it up in corporate worship and that is the, we preach that out. And if there's somebody coming in wanting to teach about Christmas trees, you're swerving. There's nothing in here about celebrating a certain holiday that all of a sudden that's a problem. In fact, Paul says in Romans, if you set aside a day and you want to do something like that, a special day, go for it. Go for it. And so we have this, this setup in the text. This is what you're supposed to do. This is why we do what we do. This is worship must have some type of order. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as it is in all the churches of all the saints. That's how it should be. And as long as I'm your pastor, I will be a man of the book. I'm not going to pull my sermons off the internet. I'm not going to try to figure out. I'm, listen. Take, listen, preachers that don't want to take the time to study and read the text and go over it and pour over it, they should not be pastors. This isn't, this isn't an entertainment thing where I get up and go, oh, da, 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 and entertain you for 45 minutes. I'm charged by God to, take, to shepherd the flock of God that I have. I'm to defend you. Like I'm, I'm to lay my life down and fight to the death to make sure you understand that God loves you. And if I start coming in here and doing something different than that, get rid of me. Get rid of me. Because this is all we have. And furthermore, this is all we need. Amen? I don't need anything. Listen, I don't need the Bible plus. That's the reason Mormonism is a silly, false, heretical cult. They, they have all these extra things. They got the, the King James Bible plus the Book of Mormon plus the Pearl of Great Price. They got all these weird things. And if you read, I'll never forget, I have um, 